Good evening, everyone. Today I have this unique opportunity of sitting and having a conversation with uh, Brahmashri Pitama Subhash Patriji. I am Mihir Sangvi. I am so fortunate to be part of his family. I am his son-in-law. We've been planning this for some time and finally we were able to make this happen. I have some questions. I've had the luxury of having these discussions with him on so many occasions. But I thought uh, like, you know, me framing these questions and like having a proper session will give others insight and help them tap into uh, Patriji more. So I'm going to start with a few questions. And the first one, I want to talk about your journey. I know this PSSM organization has grown and it's such a huge family, but I'm sure it wasn't like this from day one. So I know it's taken years knowing you. Uh, what gave you the confidence and persistence to stay on this path? I was my natural self. But see, what you think is your natural self doesn't come naturally to us. Yes, you were no. natural, but every what gave you that confidence? Every person is different. Correct. Every human being is different. Like everybody has the face, but every face is different. Every human being is different because of so many lifetimes. Mm -hmm. Past lifetimes. Yep. This current lifetime is based upon the, all the past lifetimes. Your current lifetime is based upon your past lifetimes. My current lifetime is based upon my past lifetimes. Everybody has got a huge number of past lifetimes. Our character, our personality is built by our past lifetimes. Okay. And whatever mm -hmm. has been built in the scheme of the past lifetimes is expressed in this lifetime. And you add a little of your effort. But primarily your current life has been built by your past lives. So my personality has been built by my past lifetimes. Okay. Whatever you call self-confidence or you know this determination, it has come from past lifetimes. If the lack of self-confidence is there, that, is also, that also comes from past lifetimes. Lack of uh, uh, steadfastness, if this any quality comes from past lifetimes. So, for me, the characters that I am expressing are not from this lifetime. Mm. They are from the past lifetime. So, I inherited them from my past lifetimes. You are saying very modestly that the little work that you have done, I have seen you work. I see you, I am probably half your age and I don't even know if I have that much energy. You travel 365 days. I have seen you get up at like 5 or 4 in the morning and work till like midnight. How do you get this much passion? Like what drives you? I want to help every person. And then that's your main motive, it's, that's what keeps you going? That's what keeps me going. There is no compassion. There is only a willingness to help and eagerness to help. Supposing I am hungry, I want somebody to give me food. Mm -hmm. And suppose you are hungry, I want to give you food. What I expect from others has to be given by me to others. Right. And I, I welcome help from everybody. Somebody gives me money to travel to America. So, uh, so it's a very great thing, isn't it? Somebody is helping me. I don't have any money in my pocket. But somebody gives me money to go to America or to go to any place. They give me a car. They give me a driver. So they have given me so much. So I have to give everybody things. And, and that I have to say that like, you know, that I, my experience with the PSSM family, I know that this family is not bound by money, it's bound by love. Whatever I've witnessed so far, I've seen that, experienced Not it. a very big word like love, that's a too huge for me. Okay. But an eagerness to help. Yes. Somehow, I am not uh, <coughs> such a lovely person to be full of love. 
eagerness to help eagerness to extend one helping hand that's i will that will define properly okay fair enough yeah. and and i actually got to experience that first hand again thanks to you during the dhyana chakra when we were serving food to people yes yes that yes. was one of the most unique experiences and the most gratifying experience of my See, life although i'm tired to stand there and give serve food anybody could have done that but i could also do that if i can do that i must do that okay. if i cannot do that then somebody i will offer somebody else the place but it gives me joy when i put some food there in their plate and they look up to me with a, uh, with such a tender eyes mm-hmm. it, it fills me with lot of energy i get energy from everybody when you help somebody in some fashion you get energy so that energy sustains me and this is a universal principle when you help others you get energy and i definitely felt very energized yeah. after serving yeah. food there that's why everybody should ha- adopt this philosophy of helping other souls in whatever fashion i in my own fashion you in your own fashion yeah i mean being authentic has to be the key right two people were there one blind person one lame person one cannot walk one cannot see both are independently suffering but one day they happened to meet so so both exchanged so you are blind person you can't see but i can see but you don't have legs so you can't walk but i have legs so the blind person so legs are okay this lame person's eyes are okay so the the person who had eyes sat on the shoulders of the person who had got legs so both could walk properly go both could see properly because of combination okay. you know that is called helping to each other so both are benefited symbiosis makes sense if i help you I, then you will also help me correct isn't it if i don't help you you won't help me yeah i i tend to help every person so every person tends to help me I have found that every person is helping me. I am so grateful. Yeah. They are eager to help me in some fashion or other. Somebody presses my legs. Somebody takes a photograph of me. Okay. Somebody records this experience. Yeah. Somebody gives me some money to go somewhere. So I receive. I am not great in helping, helping to everybody, but everybody is helping me also. Yeah. Everything is reciprocal. Yep. Yep. I agree. So I'm sure it's not always been like you know success and people helping. There must be some rejection, some things not going as you expected. How do you deal with that? What keeps first of all, we don't expect anything. We don't expect anybody's eagerness to help me. And everybody has got his own judgment, his own experience coming from his own past lives. He can act only according to his past lives karma. Mm-hmm. He cannot be something different. So we understand everybody. We don't expect anything from anybody. So they may agree with us. They may, they may not agree with us. is their choice so there by those people who agree with me they form a group and there are many people who agree with me rather than many people who don't agree with me that's why this family is growing like anything it makes sense and then when you take expectation out so rejection doesn't really come into play doesn't come at all we never expect anything from anybody in fact the fundamental principle of spirituality is no non expectation yeah expectation gives you suffering non expectation gives you there is no suffering the source of suffering is expectation how 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 dare i expect anything from even my from parents or my wife or my children no maybe there my but i don't expect i can't expect yeah i mean when you say this it just sounds so simple and and from experience i can tell it's so 
difficult to live a simple life. We complicate our lives by by expectation. expectations and that too horrible types of expectations, not even mild expectations. People have horrible expectations from each other. The whole humanity is suffering like that. So the next thing I want to ask you is I know we are coming off this huge uh, event that we just finished uh, from 21st to 31st December in uh, Kartal Pyramid. Uh, it was such a well-attended event. I was lucky enough to be there for a few days. What are your thoughts on that? Like, you must have had a vision for this year's event. Uh, it was dedicated for women empowerment. Can you give us some insight, like how you felt the whole journey was or how the event was? For the past 20 years, we have been having these annual events. Mm -hmm. The first annual event started in the way back in the year 1999. Oh, really? In so, for us, that was a seven-day event. Since then, every year December, we have this mega get-together. Mm -hmm. It started with 2,000 people. And in the recent uh, Mahila Jala Majakram, there were a total of 5 lakh people. 5 lakh people? Attended in the, during the course Over of the 11-day period. Oh, wow. In the first uh, one, it was 2,000. So there were a lot of people look forward to this. I'm one of them. So since it has been regular every day, every year affair, people know that it is there and the fixed days. Sometimes it was 14 days also. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it was 7 days, sometimes 11 days. Last time it was 11 days and it is specially dedicated to women. Yes. Women empowerment. Yep. And uh, see, there is a total change in the earth planet. Earth planet is going through a major change, major reorientation from the male point of view to the female point of view. It is the male point of view which has created a hell on this heaven, a hell in this planet. And the female point of view will create a heaven. The male point of view is always conquering mm -hmm. and uh, you know, dominating and uh, you know, the female species. The whole humanity suffers. The female species is by basic uh, temperament and understanding, subdued, okay, mm -hmm. taking a secondary role voluntarily. That is conducive to the heaven, heavenliness of the earth planet. The time has come for, for the, all of the mankind, the male kind, to learn from the female kind. So a whole Jala Mahajakram dedicated to women, that was my dream, which we have manifested recently. Yeah, yeah and, and, and I feel very comfortable saying that we are blessed to have such wonderful women in our life, like your daughter, my wife and your wife. She took such great effort in Every woman is great. Correct. Yes, absolutely. Every woman is the basic foundation of the home. And home is the individual unit. Yes. Yeah, I mean, in, in that event, there were so many women. Even on the stage, when we were doing the morning meditation, the stage was like all the women were there meditating, yes, yes. taking all the leading steps. It was just phenomenal. We want this kind of thing to be a permanent affair in the affairs of the planet Earth. Mm -hmm. Everywhere, women should take the lead and men should assist that process. Correct. Men can be against that process. They have been against that process. Now, they have to refrain from that aggression and mm -hmm. begin to assist in that process. Take a back seat. Correct. I Let the woman drive a vehicle. Let the woman go into a rocket, rocket on the moon. Let the woman be a prime minister. Let the woman be the president. So let me uh, change gears now and I've been reading like a book and then I've been reading uh, more about subconscious mind and 
from what I've read so far, it seems meditation is the way to tap into subconscious mind. What is subconscious mind? That is my question. <laughs> the sum total of all your past life experiences is your subconscious mind now. Conscious mind is this lifetime. Okay. Subconscious mind represents the sum total of your, all your past lifetimes. Subconscious mind is equal to past lifetimes. Conscious mind is equal to this lifetime. Okay. That is the equation. So, is meditation the only way to get into subconscious mind? There are other ways of like hypnosis is there. Uh-huh. Hypnotist, he does tap into your, your subconscious mind and gets all the answers, retrieves all the solutions. Because all the answers are in the past lifetimes. Because you are a product of past lifetimes, the problems arise from this lifetime, but the answers are in the past lifetimes. So how do you balance, like how much should you invest in tapping into your past lifetimes? Or should you even worry about past lifetimes? How do you live in the present? You should not worry about past lifetimes, but you must know about past lifetimes. For example, you are buying a, a plot of land. You want some five acres for some purpose. What do you do? Don't you see the history of the plot? Mm-hmm. Who owned it? Is there any legal implications? Don't you see the past? Yeah, yeah. To, to make a purchase? Mm-hmm. Or you blindly purchase because on hearsay? No. Okay. You do your investigation. So, see what unless you know the past history of that land, you can you won't make a right choice, right decision. Similarly, unless we know a little amount of our past lives, we cannot make wise choices in the current moment. To know your more past lives is meditation. Easiest way. Okay. Or not all people can be hypnotized, but everybody can meditate. Only some people can be hypnotized. Okay. Yeah, I mean. Personally, I've been meditating for quite some time now, but there are days when I can easily switch into thoughtless state and there are days where, like, you know, I just cannot, I struggle Don't with Don't use it. the word thoughtless. A thoughtless state is a very thoughtless uh, statement. Okay. Make it stay thought-free. Thought-free, okay. Okay, not mindless, mind, mindlessness, mind-freeness. Mind-freeness. Mind-freeness and mindfulness. Use the word free. Free. Thought-free. Okay. So, what's the difference? Uh, thoughtless is a very thoughtless word. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Now I get the point. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because okay. you are never thoughtless, you can be thought free. Thought free. Okay. Thoughts are there, but you are free of them. Seems more consciously that you've more got there, right? On a, on days when I'm really stressed out and I feel like today I want to really like I come home thinking I want to meditate and I want to forget my stress. And the more I close my eyes and like, you know, you're trying to disconnect from the outside world and get into like a thought free state so that you free your mind. And what happens is when I close my eyes and start focusing, I'm actually focusing more on the problem. That's what happens to every person. And that's what is needed. So meditation is not only for getting into a thought free state, it is also for being a thought clear state. So, when you close your eyes and when you begin to meditation, first you get into a thought clear state mm-hmm. and you are clear of your own thoughts. That does happen. I keep thinking about it. Yes. So, many times uh, that thought clear state itself is enough for you to go into a higher level of consciousness, okay. expanded level of consciousness. Just because you are closing your eyes and sitting for one hour, thoughts are there, mm-hmm. but your, your thoughts become very clear to you. What are the dominating thoughts? What are the non-dominating thoughts? Mm-hmm. What are the real issues? What are the real non-issues? So all these things will be clear to you first, and that's enough for an average person. From a thought clarity state, you go to the thought-free state. Mm-hmm. Then that's when your third eye opens. But until then, lot of good things are happening. You may be complaining that I am not getting 
uh, you know, empty state. It's not so very easy. It's not expected also. Third, clear clarity state. And when you are closing your eyes for one hour, you are saving your energy. 80% mm. of your body's energy. Even if the thoughts are there, since you are closing your eyes and conserving your energies, you become very fresh. That definitely happens. That definitely happens to every person. Just because, you see, the eyes are the windows to the world. When you open your eyes, you, you, you eject out 80% of your energy to catch the world. Mm -hmm. okay. when, but when you close the eyes, the world is not entering you. So your energy is not going to catch the world. Your energy is staying with you. That itself is the most important development in meditation. You become more energetic just because you close your eyes. The mind is still cyclonic, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but still you are, your eyes are closed. So our advice is that never open your eyes. Five minutes, ten minutes, don't do like this, like this, like this. That itself is a great advantage to every human being. Because you have conserved so much energy, for whatever you sat with, without opening the eyes, you have conserved so much energy, you have accumulated so much energy, that your headache is gone, your cancer is gone. And, and what I've noticed is, right, like in the past I used to keep thinking, it's not possible, I don't have that much control. At the very least, even when I'm fighting with my thoughts, I feel like I've developed more self-control because it's now happens. I feel like, no, at least now closing my eyes, sitting in that position for one hour is not a challenge. That is easy now. I know that I, there are days where I'll think like, okay, I'm going to fight with my thoughts, but sitting for one hour has become easy for me. Sitting for one hour for every human being every day is the greatest thing that can happen to him. You don't have to see your past lives. You don't have to see, talk to your departed father or mother. Mm -hmm. Okay, the very fact that you are able, in the midst of this turmoil, you are able to sit with closed eyes, that is a great advantage for you, mm -hmm. great benefit for you. So the benefits begins from, from that too, from alpha to omega. Omega is your third eye, but alpha, beta, theta, A, B, C, D, up to Z, there are so many benefits. Yes, I mean, and now that I'm reading this book and I've talked, spoken to you, I understand these different states are in the past, like. Uh, when I would talk to Pari and she would explain me stuff, it was all very new to me. But finally, like, I have started understanding this different form of... Uh See, everybody, 40 years back, my, I was also not knowing anything else. So, for everybody, there is a beginning always. Correct. Everybody, there is a beginning. Every caterpillar has to become a butterfly. Correct. Through the pupil stage. That pupil stage is meditation. Understood. When you don't do anything, when you sit at one place, the caterpillar becomes a butterfly. Yeah. Every human being before meditation is a caterpillar. Okay. And every human being after meditation is a butterfly. This is what we learn from the biology. Mm -hmm. We see the caterpillar, it's entirely different. Then the same thing goes to a pupil stage. Then there is a cocoon. And but something is happening, metamorphosis is happening. Mm -hmm. Everything is changing from inside. But nothing is visible from the outside in the cocoon. But yeah. one fair moment the cocoon breaks and a, a beautiful butterfly comes out. Okay. Yep. Before meditation, everybody is a caterpillar in some fashion or other, harming himself and harming the nature around. Yep. And every human being after meditation is a butterfly, a very beautiful creature, contributing to the beauty of the nature. So, I'm going to keep going with my questions. So, I want to ask you this, like I've, I've seen where this movement has come to. What is your vision now? Like, where do you see this uh, movement going forward? Like, next five years, ten years? I started as one person 
in the year 1980. 1979, I became enlightened. I consider myself enlightened. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's a feeling from inside. And enlightenment is a feeling from inside that, yes, you have known something significant. You have become something significant, which you were not earlier. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, then I started being significant to others. One, two, four, eight, sixteen, thirty-two. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I started with my town, that is Karnul at that time. Mm -hmm. Then, whoever was coming to me or whoever, wherever I was going, I was teaching them. And from 1980 to 1992, I was working in a company. So, I had restricted movement. Mm -hmm. But 92, I chose to resign my job. I had unrestricted movement. I could go anywhere, any day. I started traveling extensively. Then, covering many villages, towns in my state of Andhra Pradesh. Mm -hmm. And then slowly to other states. Okay, now many countries. Now it has become so a very big movement. Okay. Many, many millions are added. Mm -hmm. So this many, many billions would naturally become many, many billions. Okay. In due course of time. Because one upon another, mouth to mouth, it will go. And and I'm witnessing that firsthand. Yeah. Like, you know, seeing the pyramid come up in Kartal, in Bangalore. And now we're talking about building pyramids in uh, United States of America. So that's just, it's just growing. So, from <coughs> one or two persons, it has become one or two million. From one or two million, it will become 20 or 30, 40 million. Then it becomes one billion. Then it becomes 7.5 billion of the whole humanity. It's not difficult. See, 20 years back, who had a cell phone with him? Did, was it, were there the cell phone in anybody's hand? Correct. No, but now every cell phone is there in everybody's hand. Okay. 25 years back, no, there was no TV anywhere. I remember those days when the first time the TV came. Mm -hmm. We were sitting there that, like that. Okay. Eagerly waiting. Correct. Now every room has got a TV, a separate TV in every house. Correct. Okay. And meditation is now helping the whole humanity. Everybody understands now the value of meditation. It was not so in my, in my, when I was a child. There was no meditation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There was no meditation in my parents' family. Puja was there. Going Correct. to temple was there. Correct. That was enough. Even the word meditation, I never heard in my childhood. Correct. It was restricted to yogis, yogis sitting in the Himalayas and like doing dhyan. Correct. Not Correct. for Am Janta. It was exclusive. Not for Am Janta. Correct. Not for common man. But now I see, in my own lifetime, I have seen the great, the great change mm -hmm. from rare species to it becomes common species. Right. I have seen in my front of my... So, in one generation, the whole change has happened. And when it started with one teacher. When the teacher is ready, the disciple will appear. Correct. If you are not ready, where is the disciple? I was ready to teach 40 years back. Then I found people who were ready to learn. I was not ready to teach at all because I didn't know. So there was nobody around me to learn from me. But okay. when I decided to teach, there are people who are decided to learn. 
There are millions of teachers. They are called pupil masters. All our members. Mm -hmm. Now they are in, in, in millions. So these millions will automatically transfer this knowledge to billions. After there are only 7.5 billion people. Right. Within the next 10 years, everybody is going to be a master. Pyramid master. What is the pyramid master? A pyramid master is a vegetarian, eating plant-based food. Mm -hmm. Then a, a pyramid master is a regular meditator. He has begun to alpha, omega, A, B, C, D. Some people have to exercise that. Mm -hmm. The third is a pyramid master is a, is a student of spiritual science. And spiritual science says that you create your own reality through your thoughts and through your words, through your deeds. Right. What choices you make in your, what thoughts you want to entertain, what words you want to release from your mouth, and what you want to do, all this creates your reality. And your reality affects everybody's reality. My reality affected so many people's realities. Definitely. Yes. I've witnessed that first time. Yeah. So, your reality is created by you, and the whole world's reality is created by you. And in fact, now, like especially by, I'm in the United States and I'm seeing that there is a lot more spiritual science which is coming through and like a lot of people... My goodness, every spiritual master who is writing a book is, is being sold in millions of copies. Correct. There are so many of these retreats coming up where and people want this transformation. There is so much awareness now. Everybody wants health. Correct. Everybody wants peace of mind. Everybody wants a vision of the truth and everybody wants welfare of the whole world. Who doesn't want? Yeah. Only very people don't want welfare of the whole world. One Hitler or one, one Virapan. But others, they want welfare of the world. Agree. Yes. So, all these things can happen only through meditation. So, everybody must become candidate for spirituality. And one thing my personal observation has been that spirituality is taking momentum because there is a lot of science supporting it now. To me, I have a mixed feeling about this. I just feel like just because science is supporting now, people are believing it into more. But we shouldn't, should we always wait for science to prove something? What's your take on science and spirituality? Do they go hand in hand? Jesus never required a science. A Buddha never required any scientific background. We need only spiritual background. Scientific background is only an add-on. It's not an essential commodity. Mm -hmm. It's not an essential commodity. It's an add-on commodity. It's a luxury, it's not a necessity. Correct. Luxury is okay. Correct. It's just a stamp of approval that yes. Nobody needs the approval of a Buddha or a Jesus Christ. Correct. Correct. Okay. It's not at all a case of approval. It's because <coughs> additional support that's all, not approval. Correct. Yes, but somehow when I have discussion with, like, with at work or just with friends, I have a very poor opinion of all scientists. Okay. If somebody considers himself a scientist, I have a very poor idea of him. Why? The very point that he is a scientist, he shows his arrogance. He is superior kind. No, he is not superior kind. But if he is trying to a just... Kabir was not a scientist, he's a, but he is the greatest master. Mm -hmm. He had no scientific background. Okay. Only spiritual background. Okay. If anybody considers that I am a scientist, I have to approve you, I have to use my logic, I have to support you, otherwise you can't sustain. It's all arrogance. Sheer arrogance. See, arrogance comes in many shapes. Mm -hmm. If a lady is more beautiful than other lady, she becomes very arrogant. If a lady is youthful, 
compared to other ladies. She becomes very arrogant. If a person has got a lot of money, he becomes very arrogant. If a, if a person is intellectual, you know, I am PhD. You have not even gone to school. Ramanvashi never went to school. He was a dropout, 7th standard dropout. Who is superior? So, there is arrogance comes in many shapes. And it comes in the shape of science. Science is good. It is helping the mankind. Science is good. It is given computers. It is very fine. And it should not give the arrogance to anybody. I, the way I look at this is, it should not be limiting. It sh if it I have seen <laughs> my own family members. My own elder brother was a great scientist. And he was very arrogant. He couldn't see me. You are able to see me because of non-scientific background. Because of my elder brother's me, he couldn't see me. He couldn't take any benefit from me in my own family. And that is typical of every scientist. They don't see. They don't see. They are blind. Yeah. Scientists are blind because of their own science. My own elder brother's case. He was a PhD from Manchester in mechanical engineering. But he couldn't see me. His own elder brother. Tell me how, why. He was blind. He was blind. Science yeah. makes people blind, blind. Okay. And I am very sympathetic about those that blindness. Science should make you more clear in your thought, not blind. Okay. Fair enough. I can see the point. I can see the logic. So now, let me go back to something you said earlier, that in 1992 you gave up job, right? How, how do you find that much conviction and passion about something that you can just I give up? I have done the same thing in many of my past lifetimes. So, so that's very easy for me. Because to me, doing something like that would be too drastic. I your past lifetimes are different from my past lifetimes. Okay. We all come from our past lifetimes. So you didn't think of that as taking a very big step. You just thought that that was the need I of the hour. The, I was waiting to take the step. Okay. And what was the tipping point? Like what gave you that final push? In the year 1985, I went to my boss. I said, I'm resigning. My boss called my elder brother. And okay. both of them gave me a big lecture. <laughs> okay. And I told myself, oh, it is not a time for me. I was prepared to do that, but it is not a, not a time for me. So, my boss was very considerate to me. He was allowing all my spiritual discussions in the office. Okay. He was a very kind boss. He understood me. He was not an obstruction to me. So, I told myself, okay, as long as this boss is there, I will work. Okay. In the year 1982, he resigned. <laughs> he got disgusted with his boss. Okay. The moment my boss, YK John, he resigned, I knew that the time has come. Your time has come. He was like a shelter to me. Okay. Interesting. It's a very interesting thing. What happened to me in my own office. Nice. Interesting. I boss, I thank my boss, YK John, on this occasion. Who has been sheltering me, helping me, in my spreading my spiritual activities in my office. And in fact, that is also something where I feel meditation is now reaching because in the United States there are these health and wellness organizations that are being formed. I was reading this wonderful book, uh, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, which talks very nicely about how to break the routine. And people somehow always forget that. Like, you know, we get consumed in our everyday life and don't necessarily find the time for meditation. How do you recommend to balance the you life? You even have to do meditation. You hear others' meditation stories, you become changed. Truly saying, I didn't meditate at all in this lifetime. But I heard everybody's stories of their own meditation. That helped me change. Mm. I don't give credit for my transformation to my meditation. I give credit for my transformation by hearing others' case of meditation. So you don't have to do meditation. You hear others' meditation, you become enlightened. 
Oh, okay, he has done meditation, he has uh, cleared his cancer, he has, he has become, uh, he has come out of his depression. That, that knowledge is enough for you. And, and I have to admit, like, I've come across so many people in this PSSM group where I've heard their amazing transformational journeys, which has been so heart-touching and it's just, it just makes you want to jump into meditation right away. That's why we have to read a lot, Swachaya. And we have to, listen to everybody's experience, Sanchana Sangatya. In Adi Shankaracharya says one beautiful statement, Srijagati Sanchana Sangati Reka Bhavati Bhava Deva Tarane Nauka. Srijagati means in all the three words. The Muladhara word, the Swadhisthana word and the Manipuraka word. They are the lower chakras. Mm-hmm. Each chakra is not a big word. Srijagati means all, in all these three chakras, the lower chakras. Sanchana Sangati Reka. Only meeting with the right people. Bhavati Bhavadava Tarnam. It takes away, it takes them away from their own Dutta Sagata. Suffering. By listening to this Sajjana Sangatya. Mm-hmm. Understand? Yep. Sijagati Sajjana Sangatya Reka Bhavati Bhavadava Tarane Nauka. It's the, it's, the, it's the boat that takes you away from your suffering. So, not even meditation, listening to meditators. Listening to enlightened people. So basically encircling yourself with meditators or yes, more yes, positive yes, people. Yes. Sajjana Sangat, yeah. And reading books by masters. I read so much that I became influenced by all the day, all that I have read. Okay. Well, I was a very ripe fruit before I was born in this incarnation. Therefore, being a ripe fruit, I could benefit from everybody very easily. I admit that it's not the case with everybody else. So they have to do meditation. Okay. To be able to bypass meditation and to learn from Swajaya and Satya Sangha alone, it requires a lot of meditation in the past lifetimes. So meditation becomes crucial for every person. Because non-crucial for people who are advanced souls. Makes sense. So what books would you recommend? Like I would like to read some more books. So You should read Theosophical Society books. Let better and efficient. Okay. These two people are great masters. Then read Totem Sarai Daryana. Okay. They're great scientists. Spiritual scientist, not your scientist. <laughs> okay. Who is arrogant. No. <laughs> okay. My kind of scientist. Fair enough. Okay. I was helped by Lok and Grandpa in those days. Okay. So many people. Okay. At least that's a good starting point. I'm not a big reader, so for me to get through the first three, four books itself read will take. Shirley McLean books. Shirley McLean? Okay. She was a great actress. Okay. She has written spiritual pre. Okay. Her books. Ruth Montgomery books. She was with five presidents of USA. Okay. Ruth Montgomery. She got a lot of writings through automatic writing. Okay. She was with five presidents of America. Okay. With journalists. And all her books are wonderful books. Ruth Montgomery, you must read them. Okay. I think I have enough homework for like a good year or so now. Okay. No, this was very, very helpful. I got a nice insight in your. Uh, story. We talked about uh, Dhyana Chakra, which to me was very inspiring. I look forward to the next one in 2020 and I try my best to be part of that. So I think um, thank you so much for this conversation. Every year, every, every year you must be there. Yes. Yes. That's the pilgrimage. Like everybody makes a pilgrimage to Makkah. Yes. They don't miss a pilgrimage. Correct. A chance to go on the pilgrimage. For Hindus, they go to Tirupati or they go to Himalayas. For Muslim people, they go to Mecca. For Christians, they go to Bethlehem or Jerusalem, I don't know where. But for the people, it is 
Dhyan Mahachakram. And I'm one committed person, so you will see me. So, thank you. Thank you so much.